CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, China's annual parliamentary meeting set to kick off this weekend when when it will chart out its economic course. What impact will it have on the emerging and global markets? We'll break that down. Then the healthcare trade has been a horror show of late. Carter set to chart two of the titans. Will either Pfizer or J&J get his seal of approval? And later, a call to action with Kevin Kelly, his defensive defense trade on Raytheon. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action Live from the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. My co, Carter Worth and Brian Stutland. Let's get right into it with the trades heard around the world this week. The K-Web, FXI, EEM, and EWZ all seeing heavy volume this week as traders look for gains from China to Brazil and everywhere in between. What do the technicals say about this globe-trotting group? Carter, take us around the world in charts. Sure. So (laughs) what we know, of course, that on a long-term basis, right, emerging markets are pretty massive underperformers of developed markets. Now, Right now, if you look at the MSCI Emerging Market Index, which the EEM is based off of, we are at all-time lows, meaning relative lows were seen in 1999-2000, which made sense, the dot-com peak, emerging markets underperforming. The question is, now that we've gone back to that extreme underperformance, is this a bit of a base and a bottom? And that brings up the here and now charts. Look at um, KWEB. And you could use FXI, you could use any number of things. But that has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal. That iteration there on the screen, you see the moving average, the smoothing mechanism, the 150-day turning. But you can also annotate it. You can call it a head and shoulders bottom. You'll see that here. And you also can call it a, a cup and handle, meaning the point is this is what a bottom looks like. Now, it's for a trade. Can, over time, this outperform the, the great uh, commercial enterprises that compose the index in the S&P 500, no chance. You said you picked this one just as an example, but really a lot of the China charts, they, they, they look the, the same, same FXI, EEM, uh, okay. but uh, it's, it's the same circumstance, meaning extreme weakness that is giving way to strength. All right. Well, Mike, you spotted some very interesting trades in these ETFs. So let's start off with the K-Web here. Yeah, so K-Web, uh, you know, we actually saw a really split uh, split decision, basically, in all of these. K-Web, we actually saw some uh, bullish activity. That's consistent with what Carter was talking about here. Specifically, it was the March 32 calls. We saw a big purchase of those earlier this week. Buyer paid uh, about a buck for 5,000 of those, obviously betting on the upside. Now, I should say, importantly, that uh, we've been active in a lot of these names, both uh, within EWZ and within uh, this constituent space of EEM, FXI, uh, and the K-Web. And uh, actually, we mentioned one of those on uh, Fast Money last week, JD.com. We bought it on Friday. We still own it. That's up 6% this week. But we really have a, kind of a split decision when you take a look at these stocks because BABA has been very hard hit of late. Uh, Lee was, uh, did well coming out of earnings. And then if you take a look at Baidu, I think that's kind of a push. Maybe that one was a pair of twos. And we actually got rid of BABA and Baidu and Lee this week after those respective earning results. Yeah. Um, Stellan, where do you stand on K-Web, Chinese Internet? Well, I mean, when we look at these option trades that have been occurring over the last three or four months, we've highlighted these a bunch of times, and they've been very good and very right, especially when it comes to 
FXI and KWeb. And so it seems like this play to the upside buying calls is a cheap shot. We've seen volatility option contract volatility be a little bit cheaper than what we've seen, let's say, call it last year around this time. And so it makes sense that a, a trader out there is taking a shot, buying a call, playing to the upside. And it just does feel like a 2003 scenario where we're coming out of this bear market, entering maybe a new phase of a bull market the same way we did back then in 2003. We're sort of Gold took off. Emerging markets started to take off. It kind of has the same sort of feel. And maybe this last month in February, the shakeout in the Chinese markets was just that, a carpet shakeout. And now it's poised to move higher. Mike, you also saw, as you mentioned, um, activity in FXI and EEM, for that matter. Yeah, so this is uh, it's a good point, because these two bets were in opposite directions. FXI flow was actually a lot bigger than what we saw in KWeb, and consistent with it, though. We saw a purchase of 25,000 calls in there, buyer paid 78 cents uh, for the April 31 strike. So another big bullish bet. But EEM, uh, that situation was uh, the other way. We, we saw some bearish activity. It was the June 39.35 put spread. That thing traded uh, 30,000 times. So the buyer of that is obviously betting to the downside. Now, let's start, take a look at the dynamics, I think, for a lot of these companies. Many of them are cheap. You know, Some of the aforementioned that I was just talking about you know, Baba, if you could get the kinds of growths that at least people are expecting for those companies at that kind of a price in a U.S. stock, you would be all over it. But, you know, you guys were talking about it in the prior half hour. There really is a lot of political uncertainty. And, and I think that is the key headwind. I mean, uh, Steve was talking about whether or not you can buy that 5 percent growth and 3 percent inflation number. But at the end of the day, what is going to drive these stocks? And like I said, we still do own uh, JD.com. And they are going to be reporting earnings. The, the issue here is really a political one. Uh, if mm -hmm. we see something happen in Taiwan, and that $600 million weapon spend really isn't you know, anything, I think, in the grand scheme of it, if they do something, uh, that's the real risk. And it is a material one. Well, I, I guess I, I viewed it as sort of symbolic <laughs> that we were going to let this happen even before the National People's Congress in, in spite of what, you know, Beijing has warned the U.S. Um, Carter, the, the opposite trades, that's an interesting dynamic considering that China's, what, 20 percent? of the overall emerging markets That's index. Right. So does the rest of the index, the rest of the world, look worse. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. And or, for instance, consider in the EEM itself, mm -hmm. the weightings are very heavy in Samsung and Taiwan Semi, whereas like mm -hmm. KWeb, that's not the case. So you've got to get that part right, the parts that compose the whole. But the common circumstance is extreme weakness that is basing and bottoming. And they all, if you look at the um, sort of the correlation now, it's very high. All right. Um, let's now take a look stateside at next week's earnings slate. A number of names reporting CrowdStrike, DocuSign, Sienna, Dick Sporting Goods and Ulta, all with some pretty big implied moves. So, Mike, run us through them. Yeah. So CrowdStrike, uh, we'll take a look at that one. That's implying a move of about 11 percent higher or lower. This is actually a name that we own. Uh, DocuSign is another one. So implied move is close to 11 percent. We are not actually in that one. Uh, Sienna, we're looking at a move of close to 9 percent higher or lower, implied by the end of next week. And then we've got on the retail side, both Dix and Ulta. Uh, these two names are implying about 8 and 7 percent, respectively. We don't own Dix. We do own Ulta. And that is actually a Holly Index name as well, I should mention. Um, but I think this is always something you should pay attention to. If you're in these names, just be prepared for that. Ulta in particular has had uh, quite a good move recently. And so that's uh, maybe an area of vulnerability. What jumped out at you, Brian? I mean, I guess, you know, CrowdStrike is interesting seeing what Zscaler did on the back of its earnings. 
It, it certainly is, and, and CrowdStrike's been a name that we've sort of pondered whether we want to get into that or not. When you look at sort of its valuation, it's hard to tell. But when you look at terms of what it does for you in terms of cybersecurity and the growth in the cloud space and how it plays into that, it seems intriguing as a buy here. The thing is, the stock has just been beaten down so much. It's sort of lagged behind a lot of the tech and growth names, even though it has you know kind of reached a turning point here. It seems like it's going higher. Uh, when you look at some of these implied moves that Mike mentioned, they're enormous on the option side. But actually, when you look at basically the last five earnings, these option premiums are now getting up to levels sort of pricing in that movement in earnings, CrowdStrike being one of them. It may actually give you an op opportunity to sell some premium in head of earnings or at least in some of the back months later dated options against that because these options have gotten bid up so high, expecting these big, enormous moves. Which chart stands out to you, Carl? Of all of those. Well, let's take Alt, of course, which is making all-time highs. And uh, Mike referred to some vulnerability uh, because of that. I'm, I'm with it. If I were long, I would trim, reduce. But let's talk about DocuSign at the exact opposite, uh, as opposed to Alt to all-time highs, strong stock. DocuSign, uh, just to consider this, at its peak, this was worth $55 billion. It was $315 a share. Now it's worth 12, <laughs> and it's 65. Can, are those highs in for all time. Sure, we're going to use more DocuSign and it will grow, but it just is the fascinating thing about markets, how you get so far ahead of yourself that you actually, the shares, once they plunge and drop 80%, you never actually retain those highs. So can you trade DocuSign for a trade into earnings? Okay. But more importantly, is it sort of seen its best day? For sure. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. When Options Action returns, solar stocks are soaring this week. But we've got an overlooked way to brighten your portfolio that takes solar, adds housing, throws in a dash of tech, and puts it all through a unique defensive lens. Intent. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action, both Dr. Ko and Dr. Carter. We've given you a degree, Carter. <laughs> um, our counseling on tonight's healthcare call to action. They're combining their forces. So, Carter, what do the charts tell you? Well, for starters, this is an area that we've liked and it's not working, right? And so the question is will it at some point? What we have now, a circumstance where certain marquee names are literally in free fall. It's very rare to move from a 52-week high to a 52-week low in a matter of two, three months. And that's what's happened in big names like J&J &J and Pfizer. And you can see here the, the divergence between not only the S&P up 5% versus the sector down five-year date, but then you've got J&J &J and Pfizer really lagging. And so the question is, is that an opportunity? I think it is, and we can look at the charts. But what we have here are two marquee names that have come down to fairly well-defined prior lows. 
And the presumption is that for a trade, you can catch them for a bounce. J&J and Pfizer is quite similar. So, Mike, what's your trade? Yeah, so we're going to take a look at Pfizer. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting when we talk about uh, coronavirus pandemic related stocks, you know, a lot of names get mentioned. You can talk about DocuSign. We were just talking about it in the prior block. You can talk about Peloton. You can talk about Zoom. You could add all of those companies together and the gross revenues are not equal to the impact that it had for Pfizer. Pfizer's revenues rose from $40 billion to $100 billion dollars. So that's 2019 to 2022. In fact, if you take a look just at Paxlovid, that was a $19 billion revenue boost for full year 2022. And the coronavirus vaccines were about 39 billion. So they multiplied their revenues by two and a half times. And of course, that is why the stock rallied as much as it did. That is the reason why the stock is trading at less than 12 times earnings now. Why? Because people are not expecting the boost that they receive from that to continue. But the interesting thing is, take a look at the level to which it has fallen. At the end of 2019, Pfizer was a $260 billion enterprise value company. It's about $20 billion cheaper than that now. So effectively, all of that premium that got built in as a result of that enormous revenue boost that they got from, uh, from COVID-19 treatments and vaccines has been eradicated. I think though, that they are likely going to experience some pressure here and there as people continue to mark down their EPS estimates, which I do expect to continue to go down. That's the reason we see the multiple. So I think what you can do is take advantage of the fact that many of these pharma companies tend to trade at relatively low implied volatilities. I was looking out to April, the 42 and a half, 45 call spread. Now you could purchase that for you know a relatively uh, small amount. It was about 55 cents when I was looking at that earlier today. You know, that is a way to get some participation. It's not a big boost that we're taking a look at here. There is no company that we can talk about that had a bigger impact and has seen it come and go as much as Pfizer. Hmm. Ryan, uh, what's your take? Well, I think when you look at the, at the whole space of the healthcare industry here, this is maybe a cheap way to sort of play to the upside. We've seen a contraction a little bit in volatility over the last few trading days. And so maybe this is an opportunity to buy some cheap options and play for the direction back to the upside. I do like names that we own for clients like an Amgen, a Bristol Meyer, United Healthcare. All these have also struggled as well. I like those names a little better than a Pfizer, but certainly if you look at some of the technicals here, and Carter can speak to this, is basically, you know, you trade above 42 and a half strike right there that Mike is playing. I think there's more room to get back to 45. And so it's a decent set, like setup trade for a call spread to play the upside that 42 and a half, 45. Carter, if you didn't want to pick an individual name, could you play the sector for a bounce? To the well, that's just it. And so while the sector has a lot of diversification, you've got devices and supplies and equipment, and big pharma and so forth, biotech, uh, XLVs as good a way to play it as any, with, of course, the big asterisks that I said that two weeks ago and three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Asterisk noted. Um, let's move on to solar stocks having their best week in five. But Brian, you're laying out a trade on one very specific name that offers solar exposure, but also hedges itself with housing, tech, and some more stuff. Yeah, it's uh, what was that Winston Churchill quote? Like enigma wrapped in a in a mystery or whatever that is rolled up all into one. Is Owens Corning? Corning is one of those. And when you look at this stock. It sort of had been trading in a range for a number of months now. It held in there nicely in 2022, and it looks like it's kind of breaking out to the upside. 
the thing is, is you know, you, like you mentioned, it's got a housing place, or, so to speak, in there with mortgage rates higher. It may struggle to get significantly higher, so there's a bit of a headwind for it. But when you look at sort of like the smart home ESG kind of play, a lot of people out there on Twitter, they either love ESG or they hate it. Here's one sort of in between that gets you a little bit techy with ESG play. And I think I want to use puts. I want to sell a put here because the price of premium on options in this stock going all the way out to August. I don't normally go that far out. But when we're looking here, it's just almost a 6% premium. Selling the August 95 put for $6, that brings my break even down to 89. That's sort of the area where the stock broke out to the upside. It's a pretty decent premium return. If I keep cash set aside in case I need to buy the stock down there and the stock does go lower, uh, basically, I think there's enough premium in these options where I can start to now sell calls. If I get put to the stock, I can sell calls against that, sort of recover my break even even further. So I just think the premium is nice and juicy on here. The stock looks poised to move to the upside. Maybe there's a little bit room to sort of grow here, but not necessarily run away to the upside because all these stocks have moved so big already. Mike, your take on the trade? Uh, I think there's a decent chance you might end up owning the stock because uh, I have a feeling that with the home inventory where it is, it's probably going to come in. But the purchase price that you're going to end up with actually won't be a bad one. It's going to be below 90 your cost basis if you do have the stock put to you. And then you're going to be yielding two and a half, maybe three percent. So uh, I wouldn't mind owning it at those levels. So, I, in, you know, in that sense, I like the trade. All right. Coming up, our next guest is detailing a def defensive defense play. How are we setting up the name straight ahead? And don't miss CNBC's live coverage at Sarah Week in Houston, Texas, kicking off Monday, March 6. Brian Sullivan will interview energy industry leaders, including the CEOs of Oxy, Shell, and ExxonMobil. You can catch live streams of the event on CNBC.com. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Raytheon Technologies underperforming the broader market so far this year, down more than 2%. But you know what they say, the best offense is a good defense. Kelly Intelligence CEO Kevin Kelly joins us now to lay out a trade on the name. Kevin. Hi, Melissa. Well, that's right. Uh, Raytheon's down about 2% this year, while it's the number one constituent in the industrial sector, which is up 5.5%. So it's not participating with its sector, but that provides a unique and interesting opportunity, we believe, given the fact that there are secular tailwinds for Raytheon. 60% of its business is defense. And what we've see, seen even recently is that there's been a re recent um, contract to sell $619 million worth of weapons to Taiwan, and Raytheon's going to provide the missiles. And that's emblematic of their defense business, which is expected to grow over the next three years because the EU is actually going to increase their defense budgets over the next three years. Japan is increasing their, their defense spending by 26%. But the kicker for the stock is actually its commercial side of the business, which is starting to recover. We know the commercial space is seeing supply chain improvements, as well as a lot of the airlines are needing more parts and aftermarket services. So Raytheon has this kicker for its earning per share with the commercial business coming back to be better than pre-pandemic levels. So the nice part about it is it's a free cash flow machine, which is very good for investors because they'll probably increase their dividend, which is already indicative of about 2.4%, as well as do some share buybacks. So what's interesting about the stock, given the fact that it's underperformed its sector and it's the number one constituent in the XLI, is that you can go out here and buy the stock today 
around $99. And then what you want to do is you want to sell a call against it. Let, let time be on your side and go out to May. And you can sell that May 19th, 2023, 105 call for about $1.65. And so you're going to get the dividend payments. You're going to get this nice options premium of just under 1.8%. And then you can let the decay happen and let the stock try to rebound that total of 8% that it's been underperforming the entire sector. Now, why we chose the May strike at 105 is because that's the highest open interest for the stock. All right, Kevin, thanks. Kevin Thank Kelly, you. Mike, what's your take on the trade? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're getting to the upper end of the valuation range for this thing. There is a war in Europe. There are tensions in Asia. We are looking at top line growth. I do like the name, uh, but I, I do also believe that the upside is probably a little bit limited. So I think the trade's a good one. Carter. So interestingly, while the stock has underperformed the industrial sector, of which it's the largest weight at 5 percent, it's the largest constituent in the aerospace sub-industry group, a part of the overall industrial, at 20%. And its relative performance to the aerospace group is new relative high. So you have mm. true uh, bifurcation, which is to say this is a laggard within an entire sector, but a leader within its subsector, And that's a good setup. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. We got time for a tweet. One Options Action fan asks, can you recommend how to play American Express? It has run up a lot. Looking to play bearish bet. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, the stock has run a lot. And earnings are April 21st, which happens to be, as I looked at it, the Friday of expiration. So if I'm going to buy a put play to the short side, I like the 170 strike. I'm probably going to use an option after that April 21st date in case that earnings date moves because that's expected earnings. That's not concrete just yet. And so that can affect option prices. I can play a little bit longer, maybe in a May option or something like that to the downside. In the April beyond 170 strike put, I'm a buyer. All right, let's get to the final call now. Carter Braxton Worth. Two big healthcare names, so bad they're good. J&J &J playing for a bounce, Pfizer as well. Brian Stutland. Owens Corning, lots of premiums, sell some puts on the downside at 95 strike in August. Dr. Poe. Uh, Chinese stocks are cheap, but I do recommend doing some hedging with some put spreads like those that we saw in earlier this week. That does it for us. Stay tuned, though. CNBC's special Taking Stock starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.